Welcome to the Science of Caring podcast. I am Dr. John Nelson, your host for today. And today we're going to celebrate nurses since it's Nurses Week and this celebration goes across the globe. This week we would like to talk about self-care. Since it is Nurses Week, we want to remind the nurses that it's important to do self-care as you are caring for patients. We have learned a lot about our self-care research in the last several years, and we have been doing a lot of work in the profile of caring, where we have been studying this globally. Well, within the profile of caring, there are five dimensions that we've been looking at uh, for several years, some of them up to 21 years, and that includes job satisfaction, clarity of role and clarity of system, caring of self and caring of manager. And we have learned the importance of both caring for self and caring of manager as it relates to establishing clarity and to establishing a job that's satisfying for nurses. Well, with job satisfaction, I've been studying that uh, for 21, about 21 years. And I have tested it around the world and worked uh, very diligently to reduce the items and find the most important aspects of job satisfaction. And the six aspects of job satisfaction that we have discovered are include um, organizational rewards. Do I feel rewarded for my effort that I put forth in my job? Primary nursing or the patient relationship specifically, a relationship with coworkers, professional growth, autonomy, and communication with the manager. But we have found that caring for self impacts or relates to the nurse's report of primary nursing or having a relationship with the patient. Now, the dimensions and the or the facets of primary nursing that we measure include does the nurse have a satisfying relationship with the patient? Is the nurse satisfied with how they care plan with the patient? Is the nurse satisfied with how they collaborate with other disciplines in the um, care planning? And is there continuity of care from admission to discharge? And we have found when nurses care for themselves, they have an easier time and more satisfying time establishing that specific type of relationship with the patient. Now, the reason that caring for self impacts the relationship is explained in part by another part of the model where we found that caring for self also impacts clarity of role and clarity of system. And we found that caring for self was almost twice as important as caring of managers. So nurses who care for self and have a caring manager have better clarity of role and clarity of system, but we found that it was twice as important to have caring for self. Now, I think the reason that nurses have both clarity of role and clarity of system and a better relationship with their patients is because they just think more clearly. If they're caring for self, they're 
helping reduce their uh, cortisol, they're helping to uh, reduce their stress, they're helping to, and by doing so, they're able to access the frontal lobes of their brain, the more critical thinking aspects of their brain, in contrast to what we call the reptilian brain or the, the base of the brain, which is the fight or flight. So I think it's because when nurses take time to appreciate who they are, to enact the 10 Keratos uh, processes, which is what I measure the most, that's Gene Watson's theory. When they enact those 10 um, behaviors of caring, they just think more clearly because they're accessing their frontal lobes. And when they're thinking more clearly, they're able to care plan better, they're able to collaborate better, they're able to um, work with the better assignments and help uh, help their charge nurse or their scheduling person to um, help with the continuity of care. So I think when um, nurses care for themselves, they think more clearly and this creates a better relationship with the patient. Now. As I stated earlier in this recording, I had reported that we have been studying this for many years. Now, there was one thing that was really interesting as it relates to caring for self in some of the qualitative data. Qualitative meaning um, we take comments and then we theme them out and are able to identify what people are thinking about particular topics. In one of the studies that we did, we asked, asked the nurses about um, their effort. We asked nurses why they responded as they did in their survey of caring for self. So if they reported high, why did high scores that they were caring for themselves, why did they report that? And if they reported low caring for self scores, well, why did they report that? And what we found was those who cared for themselves stated, things like, I am not able to take care of my patients very well if I don't take care of myself. Or if I don't take care of myself, I'm too tired to take care of my patients. So those nurses had high scores, so they made it a priority. In contrast to nurses that had low scores of caring for self, they said things like, I come last in the day. Or I take care of everyone else before I take care of myself, or there is no time to take care of myself. So it was interesting to see that the nurses that scored high, they recognized that they needed to fill their vessel up first before they could um, help others. In contrast to those who were low scoring, they'd completely depleted all of their energy and um, still expected to take care of patients. So that was a, a real interesting lesson um, in using qualitative data to supplement and help explain some of these things that we're talking about, specifically why does caring for self impact things like job satisfaction and clarity. Now, even other industries outside of healthcare identify that this is an important concept. I mean, you consider the airline industry when there is a drop in air pressure within the cabin of the airplane and the oxygen masks drop from the ceiling for the passengers, you're instructed before you take off that if the air pressure does drop 
to put your own mask on first and then you help others. Well, if it's in a similar way that if the person is trying to help others and doesn't have any oxygen and can't breathe, they're not going to be effective in helping others. So this concept of helping yourself first before you can competently help others is recognized in um, not only in healthcare, but in other industries as well. Sometimes I think people think I can't take care of myself because that's selfish or um, that's really not caring if I'm taking care of myself, I need to be taking care of others. But I think one thing they don't realize that caring for self doesn't need to take any time at all, really. If you're conscious of how can I, within my limited time of, within my very tight schedule, how can I care for self? Well, there are ways that you can care for self that don't take any time at all. Think, for example, when you're driving to work, maybe take a different way to work than your normal routine. Maybe drive through by a park or by something that will allow you to appreciate something of beauty. Maybe on the way to work, even while you're taking your um, routine way to work, just take some really deep breaths in and breaths out. Do that five times, being very conscious of your breath as you're driving. And this can even help release some of your stress and help you relax. So there's little things that we can do in caring for self. I think the other thing, though, that is just inbred in who we are in many of our societies is that we do think that we do need to come last. And in reality, what we see in the data is, at least in my research, is that we see that putting ourselves first is important if we're supposed to be effective. So sometimes it really takes some conscious training of really thinking about the research is, you know, the research is showing that I'm going to be more effective if my vessel is full in contrast to my vessel being empty. So I think there's two things that you can do for those who are not taking care of themselves is number one, to find ways to take care of yourself that doesn't take any additional time. And secondly, you can um, concentrate on the research, realizing that there needs to be a new framework of thinking in order for you to be more effective with your patients by taking care of yourself. Now, if you think of even some of the sayings that have been traditions for um, various uh, faiths, uh, is there's the concept of thinking of to love others as you love yourself. Now, if you're not taking time to love yourself, well, then how can you apply that concept to others? So the recognition of caring for self pervades not only disciplines, but it also uh, pervades um, different faiths as well. So I think it's a concept that's been um, talked about throughout the ages, but it's something that we need to pay attention to if we're really to be effective as nurses. Now, we've learned within my research that caring for self impacts not only the patient, but it also, the relationship with the patient, but it also potentiates or enhances other um, concepts or constructs. For example, in a study that we uh, did in civility, we found that um, nurses who were educated 
in the concepts of civility, um, liked their jobs more and had better, more clarity. We also found that if they observed civility, not only were taught it within school, but observed it of their faculty or their, their professors, that they had an enhanced ability to um, understand what civility was and to navigate around bullies, that kind of thing. But what was interesting is when we examined caring for self within this relationship of civility and navigating around bullies and creating a, an environment of civility, we found that the nurses who practice self-care, there was an additional potentiation or enhancement of enacting civility and um, navigating around bullies. So um, caring for self has many benefits that we are just beginning to understand from an empirical standpoint. Now, from an operational standpoint, if I am an administrator and I am wanting to enhance the civility, I'm wanting to enhance the clarity of the nurses, I'm wanting to enhance job satisfaction, the one thing that I can do is to tell the nurses, take time to care for yourself. So it is something that nurses can do on their own um, and that they have some self-control, they have some control over it. They don't have to wait for the organization to do something to help them. But if they are actually enacting self-care on their own, um, that can empower them to um, be more satisfied, be more clear, and to um, navigate bullies and have a greater experience and civility within their organization. So there's many benefits um, and insights that we're getting about um, caring for self. Now within self-care, sometimes it's going to require setting some parameters, which can be difficult for nurses since they're caretakers. But it's important sometimes if you are not able to take a break, for example, at work, that you assert your need to take the break, that you work with your management, that nurses, including yourself, are able to take breaks. So it's important to pursue your needs as it relates to your ability to self-care. Now, managers may say, well, we don't have time, or, or maybe we can't give 30 minutes, but we can figure out how to give 15 minutes. So I think it's a matter of negotiating how the um, allotment of caring for self might be negotiated within operations. Now, you may need to advocate for yourself and to show the research that shows the importance of caring for self, or you may even uh, have to advocate for um, strategies that caring for self can be actualized within operations. For example, if an organization has a uh, specific room that nurses or other disciplines can go to to meditate or to listen to some music, that's great, but that is um, that can be an expense that may not be a resource that all hospitals have. But there was, I've seen some of these hospitals be very creative in how they help nurses care for themselves and to tr really um, focus on themselves in a caring and loving way. 
one of the organizations that I work with who was using Gene Watson's 10 processes of caring, which is called Caritas. And theoretically, if I enact these 10 behaviors towards self or others, then I experience healing. And that healing may be mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. But the caring, when enacted towards self, initiates sort of an internal cascade of hormones that is healing. Now, this organization didn't have unlimited resources. They did have two rooms they called Watson rooms, where you they had uh, music, they had candles that had you could light, they had um, soft uh, um, uh, reclining chairs that were very comfortable. So it really was a place that you could um, care for self. Well, not everyone had the time to get away to those rooms, and because there was only two rooms, sometimes they were in use. So what they did is they got something called, they created something called Watson boxes. And they had these shoe boxes, and they had in that uh, little meditation books, they had um, little, uh, art, little article, little things that they had um, uh fragrances in them so they could smell those. So there was little things in there that the nurse could just take a few moments to meditate on, to change their um, thought uh, toward a um, reflective and um, caring um, mode of self. Uh, so there are things that you can do to work with the administration if they don't have the time or they don't have the resources. You need to let what your needs are, that you need to let your needs be known because you do need to advocate for yourself, which may be uncomfortable, but in the long run, this will not only pay off for you as the nurse or the care provider, whatever discipline you're in, but it will also ultimately help the patients have a better experience and I think improve the outcomes. Now we haven't gotten to that point empirically, but that's what we're working to in utilizing our profile of caring. How does caring of self and caring of manager impact not only clarity and job satisfaction, but how does it impact the nurses or the patient's length of stay? How does it impact their um, uh, other outcomes, their patient falls, their infection rates, all those different things? Now, finding what feels like caring or caring for self um, can be challenging. If it's something that isn't in the nurse's life pattern, it's not something they've taken time to do. It may take some effort and exploration to find out what do I find feels caring for me. Like for example, I love to run uh, and I'll go for an eight mile run and I meditate. I'll put on a Gregorian chants or I'll put on some relaxing jazz uh, and I meditate as I run. I think about all the wonderful things in my life. Um, and contemplate. So I find that very relaxing. Now, when I tell that to, you know, my friends or relatives, sometimes they just cannot understand this at all. So what is relaxing and um, self-caring to one person may not be at all for the other. So it may take some time to discover what is feels caring for you. Is it taking time to read? Is it, is it taking time to go for a walk? Is it taking time to um, go and view some art? Is it 
just a simple conversation with a friend about something meaningful, not about problems, etc., but about something that you're grateful for. You may even just Google methods of relaxation. It may be a method that you haven't learned, like for example, heart math. That is a, you can get these little machines, I think they're like $100, and the it walks you through how to actually reduce your stress by your heart rhythm. So do you have a rhythmic heart or do you have a chaotic heart rhythm? And um, heart math can teach you how to create a rhythmic heart rhythm by just your meditation and your breathing. So there may be methods out there that you're not aware of. And if it's not a pattern, I would encourage the listeners of this podcast to talk with others about what they find to be caring for self and maybe even Google what they find, what is caring for self and discover methods that um, you aren't aware of it. See it, try them and see if those are um, things you might make as your pattern. I think some of the symptoms for not caring for self uh, may be self-evident and maybe they're not. And maybe just hearing this podcast because you're experiencing it, maybe you need to uh, examine, maybe I'm not doing enough self-care. So are, do you find that in, the, in your relationships that you're not able to communicate as um, easily as you'd like to? Do you find that there's tensions within those relationships? Well, it's maybe because you're not taking time to do caring for self, so you don't have the clarity in um, your own thought. So you stumble around in your communication with your friends. Or you may have difficulty just making some decisions because you haven't taken the time to care for yourself and contemplate. So you're making decisions that haven't been really thought out. They're being reacted to rather than responded to. So caring for self can provide not only, I think, an easier flow in life and a benefit in relationships, but the lack of it, I think, can create chaos and lack of flow in your life. So it may take some of those symptoms, so to speak, to get your attention to consider. Maybe I do need to take some time to care for self and explore ways that I can care for self so that my life does have better flow, so that there is less chaos in my life. Now, for those who aren't familiar with the terms or the meaning behind them of reacting and responding, reacting simply means to give an immediate response often emotional to someone's statement or to a situation. In contrast, responding is when someone says something or an event occurs that you have a more, you have a deeper understanding of not only your views on what someone said or what you observed, but that you have a deeper understanding of how you think about these things. And the reason you have a deeper understanding about how you think about these things is because you've taken time to care for self. You have meditated. You have contemplated about things. So you have more reserve or preparedness to respond to the statement or event that you've observed. Now, I can think in my own life in, at a time when I had not learned how to do self-care. I didn't even understand that that was an important concept. But now, of course, with all my training in the processes of caring and Keratos and Gene Watson's theory, etc., 
I've really become to appreciate the importance of caring for self to create that cascade of healing. When I was um, in my early 20s and I was uh, working and um, trying to save to go to school, and I had other responsibilities um, with um, some nonprofit organizations, and I hadn't even stopped to think about caring for self. I thought about getting prepared for college and helping all these different people, and it was a very demanding position. And there was a particular day where I just really didn't understand things. And I had a really good conversation with a good friend of mine that just simply told me to just slow down. Nothing more than that, just to slow down. Well, within that time, I was not only taking more time to exercise and lift weights at this time, I used to love to lift weights, but I took on the um, exercise of running. And I wasn't a runner at this time, but I thought I needed to do something to um, spend by myself and so that I was away from all these different pressures. And what I discovered is that I love to run. And um, that was when I was let's see, that was 30 years ago now. <laughs> that was a long time ago. It wasn't even 40 years ago, close, close to 40 years ago. But what was interesting to me is I never thought of running as something that was relaxing. But what I discovered is that after I had been running for two or three miles, my mind had slowed down enough that I could really start to contemplate things. And then I began to look forward to my runs because then I used that time to pray and to meditate, to think about all the wonderful things in my life. But then I also started using that time to contemplate um, situations in my life. And I would, since I would run every day, I could think about these things every day. And I would run anywhere from 20 minutes to sometimes as long as two hours. That was when I had my really long runs. But it, I found, and I still find, that when I run, I am more relaxed. I respond better to people in my conversations. I, when people get angry with me, or they have uh, loud words with me, I find that I don't react. But instead, I spend time listening to what they're saying to me, or I spend time observing the situation so I can try to understand the event or what is being said. But that only is possible when I am in a relaxed state and I have been thinking things through, especially if I'm in a relationship that has been stressful. And as I run, I'll think about that relationship and contemplate how I might um, respond better. So as I'm taking care of myself, it's not only the appreciation for everything in my life, but it's the meditation of the situations and events that I'm involved with within my own life, so that when I do come up in something I've thought about during a run, I'm able to respond very healthfully. 
And that only I'm only able to respond healthfully when I do take time to go running or to meditate in the morning because I do take time in the med- in the morning to meditate as well. Now, caring for self does take some discipline and it does take some focus if it isn't a current pattern of yours. And it's important to consider realistic goals in your caring for self. For example, when I don't have a hugely, when I don't have a schedule that's packed, I can take time to go for an hour run or an hour and a half run, but that's not always possible. So I allow myself on certain on certain days, now it's most days because my schedule is pretty busy, is it's okay to just run for two miles or three miles and I don't have to run for eight miles, but I get my 20 to 30 minutes in in the morning and that's that's good. I've gotten the exercise. I've gotten my meditation. If there is a day that I'm not able to run, um, even taking five minutes in the morning to read, uh, do some meditative reading. I read scripture. There might be other books that people are reading besides that. But to take something that is meaningful to you, that makes your soul or spirit feel alive, it's important to find something like that. So in the morning, I'll um, do just a, maybe read a page, meditate on what I just read. I'll have my coffee. I know that sounds a little contradictory to be drinking a stimulant while you're trying to relax, but I love coffee. So I'll sit someplace that's quiet. I'll read for five minutes while I drink my coffee. I'll just take a few deep breaths in while I'm listening to the birds because I have a patio that I um, uh, have worked on for a couple years that's um, nice to sit in, to, to sit on. So I'll sit on my patio, drink my coffee, and meditate on just those that page of text. Um, and that helps me um, get ready for the day. In contrast, if I don't have that just little bit of time, I feel that more my mornings are a little more chaotic. I don't feel like that I've had time to center. I think of Dean Radin. He uh, is a um, does a lot of really interesting um, research um, in telepathy. And uh, what's interesting about him is he stated, every morning I take five minutes to plug in. And he talks about just plugging in in meditation because that makes him identify with what his destiny is or what his purpose is. So he thinks about what am I to do today? And he just opens himself to whatever that's supposed to be. So it is interesting to find those who do practice self-care on a routine basis. It does take work. It doesn't have to be a ton of time, but they tend to talk about how it helps them discover their purpose. It helps them discover um, what their intent is for that day. And I find that same thing. Now, in the concept of caring for self, I'm going to bring this back to theory. And I'm going to be utilizing Gene Watson's theory of uh, transpersonal caring and the 10 behaviors which she terms as caritas. According to this theory, if you enact these 10 behaviors to self or others, um, if you're the recipient of those 10 caring processes, you're the one that is going to experience the healing physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. 
But those caritas processes aren't an emotion, they're an intention. So caring for self is an intention. And as you look at those 10 caring behaviors, for example, um, do I teach myself in a way that I can learn? So one of the caritas processes is growth. So in my learning, am I learning in an effective way? Do I need to watch a video versus trying to read? Do I need to read versus going to a lecture? Do I need to have a conversation uh, versus reading a book? So how is it that I am able to absorb knowledge and grow? That's just one um, Caritas process. Another Caritas process is, do I create an environment of healing? So do I put things around my office, if that's where I spend a lot of time, that are um, healing to me? Can I put a, a little Buddha on my desk? Does that make me feel um, uh, a connection? Do I need to paint one of the walls as an accent wall so it makes it gives it more life in the room? So what is it that I do for my environment uh, to make it healthy? Do I get <laughs> do I uh, get rid of things that make me think of bad things? Do I get rid of toxic things in my environment? So that's another caring behavior. So it is an understanding of caring from a theoretical standpoint. And so that's what we're actually testing is when people do enact caring to self or others intentionally rather than just emotionally, what is the outcome of that? And our research so far is showing that nurses who have intentional caring towards self do connect with their patients more. They do have better clarity. And um, it appears to be just an overall better experience of work. Now, I was a staff nurse for 11 years. I worked in a critical care unit, very fast-paced critical care unit. And I remember those days that I was not able to take a break, that it was, there was no time to care for self. So I am in complete empathy with this very fast-paced world that we're living in, healthcare, especially with COVID. Now, I know there are many nurses out there who have expended beyond their ability during these times of COVID. I've talked to you. I've talked to these nurses. I've talked to these managers of these COVID units. And it is... Um, it's a very emotional experience to listen to this because as a nurse, I remember how hard some of my days were, but observing what I've observed this last year, it's even more than I can imagine. And it even sounds like there is some post-traumatic stress for some of these nurses because it was beyond their ability. So I would encourage nurses out there, especially today, to make self-care a priority for managers listening to this podcast to make caring for self for their staff a priority, to figure out how do I get a Watson box like I talked about? How do I make a Watson room? Maybe if you can use a janitor's, a larger janitor's closet, make it a Watson's room. And that doesn't mean to be demeaning, but how can I make caring for self a reality for my nurses? Because I think now it is very important to, to do that. So, my hats off to all of you nurses on Nurses Week for the wonderful care that you give, for the connection that you make for your patients, 
And I would love to see you take care of yourself to make that connection even more powerful and that experience of work even flow better for you. Um, and that's going to be made possible by caring for yourself. So thank you and take some time for you. So thank you for joining us in our recording today. I would encourage you if you found that this was inspirational for you or helpful for you or gave some tips to you on how to care for yourself, please share it with your colleagues. And I encourage you to visit our website, www.healthcareenvironment.com. You'll be able to see some of our other recordings as well uh, that has a variety of topics. So thank you.